welcome to the Critical Condition Sports Podcast, wherever you may be and however you're listening. I want to thank you for joining me on today's episode. So real quick before I get into this, I just want to go ahead and do my daily plugging. Follow Critical Condition Sports on Instagram at Critical Condition Sports, on Twitter at Condition Talk, and if you want to get that extra sports content, we know you do. We're actually on YouTube. Search Critical Condition Sports and uh, join the community over there on YouTube. We are currently at 90 subscribers and we're continuing on growing. That's all because of you. So I want to take the time and tell you thank you. We're almost at that 100 subscriber goal. So uh, real quick, just before we continue with this on, I just want to let everybody know if you're listening to, if you're listening to the podcast right now, I'm going to take a little pause on today when it comes to uh, the football topics. I did a couple videos earlier this week on our YouTube channel. Again, search Critical Condition Sports. And I touched on two topics. And one of those was who is the best quarterback to get drafted in the first round in the last four NFL drafts. That's on YouTube. As well as why the Dallas Cowboys should trade Dak Prescott. I think the Cowboys should move on. And, um, you know, I've seen enough of deck. So that's pretty much where I stand in that department. Uh, for you to get the details on that, you can just go ahead and click on the description below where I have my YouTube channel linked there and get that extra content this week. So this week I have Cam Arnold joining me, me on the show. We had a great conversation. Cam's awesome. He's a 601 amateur fighter. He's recently made the switch to pro. And I mean, this guy's such a such a finisher, man, and really opened my eyes when it comes to some of the aspects of what MMA is. It's gonna be a real MMA heavy based uh, episode, uh, just because of uh, we have Cam on there, and honestly, he had such a great conversation. Uh, the way this guy thinks and lives and breathes MMA and the fight business, and to see how he came up is was a phenomenal story. I'm very excited that he was able to come on the show to tell it. And, uh, you know, it, it's a great thing to see when you see uh, a lot of people and a lot of different fighters come ups and people's journeys. And I, th I think that's a real important thing. Uh, so I'm going to take a break uh, for uh, football for this episode. And we're going to go ahead and uh, go shift to MMA. The interview with Cam Arnold is going live now. And now, I've been waiting for this all day, man. I'm very excited for this. My next guest uh, is an MMA fighter. He has an amateur record of six wins with one loss. He's actually finished every single one of those six, uh, in one of those six uh, finishes in there. And, uh, you know, I'm very excited to finally get him on the show. Please welcome Cam Arnold. What's going on, Cam? How's it going, my man? Thank you for having me. Hey, um, no problem, man. I'm very excited to have you on, man. I know we've been uh, talking about you getting on for the last couple of weeks, man. Uh, you know, you're uh, training partners with uh, Chelsea Tucker. And, uh, yeah. you know, I'm just uh, very excited to get to for us to finally be able to talk, man. Uh, how you been? I've been uh, been doing pretty well myself. Um, just been training every day, training multiple times, just constantly moving, constantly going and uh, waiting for the right opportunity to open up. So uh, you're six and one right now as an amateur, correct? Yes. And now you're actually going to make the switch to pro, correct? Yes. We've uh, recently made the switch, um, and we've had a bunch of offers already, um, some some big show and uh, a couple of smaller shows here and there. But right now we're just waiting for the right opportunity. Um, we've, made, we've had some recent current events that have delayed picking up a fight right now. 
Um, you know, me and you were talking earlier, um, and for the people that are going to be listening and watching, um, today we actually made the go ahead and we signed to uh, FCM, which is full contact management with Travis Azat, um, Steve Domenico, and Lars Borson. Um, so, yeah, now we just turned the page, and now we're ready for the next chapter, and we're going to be uh, putting our head down ready to work, and we're going to be ready whenever the phone rings. We're going to be there answering the phone and ready to fight. That's awesome, man. Congratulations. Thank you. And, uh, you know, without a doubt, not surprised you. I mean, you're 6-1 as an amateur. That's a, I mean, that's a solid record. I'm sure that a lot of people would love to have that kind of a record, man. You finished every single one of those fights. Um, uh, for the listeners that may not know, uh, I'm going to have uh, Cam Arnold specifically, his Instagram uh, linked to uh, the bottom of his description and on my Instagram. Uh, you know, I saw one of, the, one of the highlights that you put up there. It was a very vicious knockout. Uh, you know, vicious to me just because when I saw it, I mean, you, you threw in the guy just went down immediately. Uh, it was yeah. insane, uh, you know, insane knockout power. It's safe for me to say, though, that uh, your, your, your strength really on the feet, man, just because of the fact that, you know, when I look at it, I see all these finishes, and, I mean, I see a lot of TKOs, KOs, man. Is that safe to say that, Cam? Um, I, that's what people see. That's what people see, and, and people haven't seen all of my skill set yet, you know. Um, you still there? Yeah. Okay. I just had a phone call come in. Um, that's what people see, you know, people see power, but and it's awesome to see, you know, um, I've had very many people rant and rave about my God given power, you know, um, it comes effortlessly and it doesn't go away for five rounds. It will not go away. It just comes out naturally. Um, but what people don't see is my IQ, my, 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 mind, my mentality, my, my, my heart, my will to fight. Um, when I'm in that cage, there's no, there's no other place I'd rather be, you know, and I, I have fun fighting. I love fighting. Um, you know, this is what I was born to do, you know? So, um, I don't know if that kind of answers your questions or not. De- um, definitely. Cause, uh, you know, a lot of people, so they see mixed martial arts and, you know, I feel like when it comes to MMA, there's two different kinds of categories of fans. You know, there's casuals, you know, the ones that don't watch every single fight. And, you know, we'll just watch like when Conor McGregor fights, you know what I mean? Like big names. And then there's the hardcores. That's the way that, you know, a lot of my friends like to describe them. And the hardcores understand that when it comes to like MMA, there's a lot of things that come into it when you're going into a fight. You know, a lot of people may see just, you know, some highlight reels about, you know, like you getting a knockout. I mean, that takes a lot of strategy. And I don't think a lot of people truly understand that, that it's not a matter of just going in there and just punching someone as hard as you can and, you know, getting your hand raised. Because if it'd be that easy, a lot of people would be doing it. Exactly. Exactly. You're a technician when it comes to that, correct? Yeah. and, and, And that's the thing is I adjust and I adapt on the fly and I'm always ready to punch. I'm never out of position. You know, and if you watch like that, I, I believe the highlight you're talking about is the one when I fought Walt Shea and uh, our game plan going into that fight because he was a southpaw and I'm an or- I have an orthodox stance. Uh, we're going to chop at the lead leg and we're going to make him rush down the center and he's going to be there for an for a left hand. Exactly. And a lot of people ask, like, what was that? Was that a hook? Was that a jab? And, it, and it, it was a modified punch. That's all it was. I was ready to punch. I chopped at his front leg. I, 
I, if you watch, if you look at the whole fight, I finished him seven seconds into the second round. Yes. Um, if you go back to the whole fight, it wasn't very long. But in the first round, I caught him with a nice inside calf kick. And that hurt him, you know? Yeah. In between rounds, my coach was like, Cam, you ready to go the fuck home? Like, finish this kid, you know? Just finish him. And chop at his legs. He's going to run right down the middle, and he's going to be open for a left hand. So seven seconds in, chop as like I hit him with my big toe. I wasn't even like a solid kick. You can hear the smack of my toe on his leg. And you can see the change of the look in his face. And he's like, now's my time. Because he didn't want to get kicked no more, you know. And I, sure. I don't blame him. I hit like a mule, you know. And uh, he come right, running right down the middle. And I caught him with like a modified jab hook um, on the fly. And you can see it change and adjust if you slow it down a little bit and um once i hit him i and he was in midair when i knew this and i have a picture of his whole body like levitating in midair um when he was in midair i knew he was out cold you know but to go back to what you're saying what people don't see that i have is my ground game my one loss was on the ground yes and i lost to um somebody who I, i was beating I, I can. I think I was beating. I was beating him the first round. I was beating him the second round, and I made a mistake. He caught me. Um, he hurt me with a spinning back fist, you know. And my my mouthpiece was coming out. I went to go put it back. He ended up getting a body lock on me. Um, you know, things transpired from there, and he he choked me unconscious. You know, um, and that's just a game. But uh, my coaches after that fight, he's like, "Cam, you got 24 hours to be pissed off." And the next day, he's like, when you're ready, come back in the gym. I took those 24 hours. I was pissed off. The next day, my ass was in the gym. And um, I worked my holes because I, I originally – I wrestled back in middle school and, and into my high school for two years. And, um, and so I always had that natural grappling experience. I'm a very strong kid. People underestimate my strength until they – until they get a hold of me and then I'm they not realize your strength at all, man. <laughs> yeah. 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 Until, until they get a hold of me and the, these guys are like, Holy crap, this kid feels like a, a light heavyweight, you know, the way he holds on to me. So, um, so with that being said, man, like I had to blend my, my jujitsu into my wrestling and my wrestling into my jujitsu. And I think what people are really in for a treat for it coming up soon is once I do take it to the ground, before, during a fight when I lost to Jeff Joy, um, we'd take it to the ground. I felt good with my ground game. But once we got there during a fight, it was like, you know what I mean? Yeah. You, you're not panicking, but um, a sense of urgency comes over you. For me, it did. You know, um, The difference between then and now is, is I can remain on the ground. I, 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 I welcome it because I'm always attacking. You know, I'm always looking for the finish, and my intelligence has has sped up in jujitsu to my wrestling and to my striking, and it that just goes to uh, it's just a testament to how fast I can pick up stuff and make it my own. You know, um, I literally I can my coaches can show me something, and and I'm I'm doing it during a roll or a spar live live rounds the same day. You know, mm-hmm. so um, I, I that's one thing I think people don't really realize is how intelligent I am as a fighter during a live setting. Now, how much preparation? So you're six and one. And again, 
you're good without a doubt, man. I mean, six and one, finish every single one of those fights. And so what's, how do you describe the preparation? Because again, it is more than just going out there and just throwing fists. You do have to have a certain kind of game plan. I mean, it's kind of like football where, you know, you watch tape and you decide on a game plan. Now, have you ever had a fight where you have a solid game plan and that goes out the, out the door right away? Um, so man, my, uh, it's kind of tough in saying, because when I'm thinking about it, when I'm coming into a fight, people have to worry about me. Yeah. You know, they have to worry about how I fight. Cause if they don't worry about how I fight, their, their lights are getting turned out pretty quick. Um, and, and I hate to go back, keep going back to my power and stuff like that. But uh, like Conor McGregor has said before, it's a whole different ball game when you get touched by me. And, and, and a bunch of people say that, but very little people prove that, you know, and especially in my weight class, you know. So uh, my, my preparation heading into the fight starts with that alone. Yes. You know, they, they have to prepare for how I come to fight. I'm coming to fight. I, I'm not coming to hold you up against the cage and foot stomp you for, for 25 minutes. You know, I'm not coming up against the cage, sniffing your crotch, picking you up and holding you there and just trying to snuff out a victory. You know what I mean? If I'm picking you up and dropping you down, picking you up, uh, dropping you on your mat and I'm beating you, uh, I'm beating you up. I'm, I'm looking for a submission. I'm looking to hurt you. Um, and, and that starts with my preparation there. Now, where I go beyond that, I look at the body of who I'm fighting. Yeah. I look at their length. I look at their, the bone, the meat on the bone. I look at their, the, how wide their shoulders are. You know what I mean? I think about, I look at their face and their facial expressions. Um, I watch video, I watch tape and how they react to um, pressure, how they react to invisible pressure. Invisible pressure meaning um, when you're engaging into the pocket, not necessarily in the pocket, but engaging into the pocket. So there's a fine line there between being in the phone booth and slugging it out and just coming over that line into the phone booth. And when you're just getting to that line, you can see uh, the will of people's starting to diminish because they don't like that pressure. You don't even have to throw hands. Now start throwing hands and see how they react. You're gonna see somebody turn into who they are, whether that be a wrestler, a counter striker, um, a jujitsu fighter, a boxer, whoever, you know what I mean? A kickboxer, it doesn't matter. You're gonna see somebody true, true colors come out. Now, if you got two guys who are willing to slug it out and stand in the pocket, now my game plan changes. Okay, now, let, now I know he's a game fighter. He's a slugger. He's not right? scared. Yeah, he's not scared. Now I just got to outsmart him. Mm-hmm. I got to move my feet. You know, I know I can slug it out with anybody, you know, but why play into somebody else's game plan? I can, I can uh, not act like I'm going to play into their game plan, but I can sell it, right? I can sell it, meaning I can go and slug it out for a couple of seconds and go back to being a smart fighter smart, intelligent fighter, picking my shots, being patient, remaining calm and composed in a chaotic um, situation. You know, it's all about, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, I forget what it was, 
but it's uh, just remaining calm in a chaotic situation. Yeah, you, you know? gotta keep and your composure. Exactly, you know. Um, so yeah, and that and that goes right into tape. You know what? What do they like to do? How do they react to certain things when you when you throw a faint? When you throw a jab? You know, are they dipping their head one way? You know, there's there's a bunch of little uh, things you can pick up through tape, and I a lot of fighters do that, but I try to go beyond that. You know, um, you know, see how quick they are, see how athletic they are. So there's a bunch of things that that go into preparation. You know, um, and I even go back is and as to far as to into um, looking at their weight, their past weights. How how have they made weight? Have they made weight with an ease? Have they barely made weight before? Have they gone overweight? You know, because that is also going to plot play into how strong they're going to be, or what what's the like likely chances of them coming out with a great weight cut and feeling strong. Now, if they have a history of having tough weight cuts, the chance of them having a tough weight cut are probably going to be pretty good. So, and if you're going to have a tough weight cut, that's definitely going to affect your performance. And my, my um, chances of having – not chances of having a better fight because I'm coming in there prepared whether somebody likes that or not. You know, whether they're prepared or not, I'm coming prepared, you know. But this just goes into the extent of how prepared I, go, I get, you know. So I look into their weight. Um, if they have a bad weight cut and, it, and it, I know it's going to affect them and they have a history of that, good. That just makes me more confident, you know. That just means I did my, my job. And, and have done my homework to know who they are as a fighter. And so uh, when people watch a fight and they see the fighters, people don't understand that sometimes they, there is a feeling, feeling out process. It's not just a matter of just going in head first and just getting and banging right away. There's right. a feeling out process, correct? Yes. And I think there's Definitely more big. so in the pros than in the amateurs. Okay. So what's the difference? Uh, why, why do you see such a big difference then from uh, those uh, two levels in camp? I think more so in the amateurs because people are just so, uh, like I said before, they're in such a high, intense, chaotic situation in live time in front of their family, friends, supporters, people who want to see them get knocked out. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And uh, nobody wants to have that happen, you know? So in that sense, you're going to see a lot of fight or flight, you know? And I've seen, like, when I first came into training, yeah. Um, I had a couple of former teammates, uh, that had taken a couple of fights right before my debut and they had frozen, like literally the bell rung and they come out, tap gloves and they frozen. And they went from being up here in the gym, to just... you know, thinking they're these fighters, you know what I mean? To getting into a fight and they're like, uh, and they get knocked out in the first 10 seconds. Jesus. And I'm like, that's not going to be me. That's not going to be me. I, I was like, and that's what it comes down to in a sense is, especially in the amateur ranks is, oh my God, this guy's coming to hurt me. I got to get there first, you know? Absolutely. So you see a lot. So you see a lot of people engaging right off the bat and you see a lot of exciting knockouts. Sure. Um, or you'll see a lot of people just coming in. If they know, if they're not confident in their hands, You'll see people coming in and grabbing on. You'll see a, a big grapple fest for 15 minutes, which is sometimes cool, you know what I mean? Um, but it's just less skilled in the amateur ranks, obviously. Now, in the pro ranks, you're going to see a lot of people more calm, composed, uh, confident in their skill set, 
and relax just in that situation because they've been through it so many times in front of so many fans and people and friends and family and, you know, other people who want to see them get hurt. For, so for uh, the for the viewers and the listeners, so as an amateur, is there a set requirement as to how many amateur fights you can have before you go with pro? So in the state of Maine, um, I fought for New England Fights, NEF, and they had gotten a hold of my coach um, when I was 3-0, and and they had tried talking them into having me go pro after my third amateur fight. And uh, I had instantly turned that down. Um, you know, I'm, I'm in the control of my, my legacy, and uh, I just didn't feel like it was right or the smart move. So it can happen at any time? So there's no set requirement? So I think in the state of Maine, you have to have at least three fights. Now, is that the smartest thing to do? No. You know, I knew for myself that wasn't the best thing to do, you know, because I know where my goals are at. And and I have checklists and checkpoints along the way that I got to accomplish for myself in order for me to hit the big goal, you know, and just winning three times as an amateur was not part of the checkpoints for me to go pro, you know? So, all right, so uh, can you describe to me what it was like, uh, your very first amateur fight? Going into the cage, I'm sure different emotions are running through, and you get hit, correct? Do you, did you take a hit? I didn't get hit. You didn't I, get I, hit, I, all right. So I got, I got, it's tough. I got like, I wouldn't say hit. It was a hit, but it, I got punched, but it wasn't like, punch punch where you're like holy shit you know what i mean it like, was oh, like, i'm in a fight like nothing like that like it punched me but it was like i've been in fights before before i started fighting yeah and it's just like another thing like i got hit and i'm like okay you know and i just kept going now okay. mind you i've been hitting fights in competition after my first fight and i've been like holy fuck i just got rocked right there yeah fucking smarting up you know what i mean Absolutely. and uh but to go back to what you're saying, the the first fight, man, what that felt like, that was incredible. Uh, my first fight, Buster Douglas was there. Yeah. I got to meet Buster Douglas. And if you don't know who he is, he is the first man to knock out Mike Tyson. Oh, snap. Yes, James Buster Douglas. What, was so, he, he was a huge underdog in that fight, correct? Yes, he was. And yes, I, mom, I, I remember now. His mom died. And before she died, he had promised her that he was going to be the man to beat Mike Tyson. And mm-hmm. she had died. I... I don't quote me on this. I want to say she died like right before he fought Mike Tyson oh, okay. and he almost pulled out, but didn't pull out. Ended up fighting Mike Tyson. He ended up, he, it was a huge upset. And then he ended up knocking him out. So. Yeah. Sir. Okay. So now I, I remember about that one. So he was there for your fight. Wow. Yeah. So before my fight, um, now I, I did construction. I was digging in the dirt. Um, uh, I was an operator, laborer, pipe, uh, a pipe layer and all this for an excavation company. And, um, and my whole life, man, I, I had two childhood dreams. One was to be either a professional hockey player and the other one was to be a professional fighter. And, um, so mind you, I grew up in a small town, one store, one church town, didn't have many opportunities in that town, uh, growing up. So I never really thought it was going to be, uh, possibility to even get the opportunity to even chance it to or a chance to train in a gym let alone a chance to fight you know so uh needless to say i fast forward 
so many years and I moved to Lewiston, Maine and um, I ended up finding this job at an excavation company I was working. Um, ended up hitting up one of my friends who was on my Facebook friends list and he was a professional fighter. He ended up getting me in the gym and um, as soon as I started training, I, I knew instantly because I had like, there's just something about me where I was getting the upper hand on a lot of people in the gym, you know, and mind you, I already had a small wrestling base, nothing great, but a small wrestling base. And, uh, I had the will to fight, you know what I mean? I, I, I knew I could fight, you know, I just wasn't trained. And, um, so needless to say, I, I was training, 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 going to work. And, um, I eventually got my first fight lined up and my boss, he was sitting there. He's like, Cam, you're going to get your ass kicked. He's like, you're going to be back here. You're going to be back here Monday morning. And you're going to be back in that, uh, back in that hole. And you're going to be throwing some low all over the place, you know, just whatever. Was he joking and, around? Uh, he, <sighs> we're good friends. You know okay. what I mean? Oh my God. I was he, like, Damn. he was one of those people. He wasn't like, Oh, you're gonna kick ass. I know you're gonna kick ass. No, he he was my boss. You know, you're gonna be back here Monday morning and you're gonna be back working and this okay. is gonna be a hobby pretty much. But he's like yanking yanking my chain. Okay. So uh so needless to say, he ended up buying tickets. I ended up selling like sixty tickets to my first fight. And a bunch of people come and mind you, my whole life I've had nothing but people doubting me and people not not believing me in what I knew I had, you know, and uh so coming into the fight, I'm like, I'm backstage. And mind you, a few of my teammates have fights there. It's in my hometown at the Coliseum where Muhammad Ali has fought. Um, and it's a very historic building. And James Buster Douglas is there. You know, uh, Devin Powell was there, who was a head coach of the person who was fighting. Um, and, and so there's a bunch of people there, needless to say. And... I didn't feel really any peer, not any, really any pressure. You know, I felt great. I'm like, man, I finally get to uh, show these people what I've been telling people I, I can do. I know I can do this. You know what I mean? And, and the only really people that know I can do this are the people that have known I've been to scrap, you know? Well, good night, baby. Good night, baby. And um, so, uh Needless to say, I go in and my teammates are all fighting before me. And every single, uh, it was like, I had four teammates fighting before me and I had a couple of my professional teammates fighting after me. I think I was the last amateur fighting from my former gym. And um, so the first three of my teammates lost. And then the fourth one, who was like a really good fighter, really good teammate, he's still a good friend of mine. He doesn't fight anymore. Um, really athletic kid, really good wrestling. I couldn't go on enough about this kid. And um, he was a fight before mine. So I'm like, this kid, my friend is going to smash his opponent and I'm getting confident. I'm feeling great, you know, and then it's going to be my turn. I'm going to smash this kid. My friend goes out there and he blows his shoulder out in the first round, mind you. He couldn't move his arm and he's still beating the heck out of his opponent. He had top mount beating the hell out of the kid. The round ends and the doctor comes and stops the fight because he couldn't lift up his arm. Jesus. So he lost his fight. And mind you, I'm in the back and I'm like, all I'm hearing is, ooh, uh, from all the crowd and stuff. But I couldn't hear. And then I heard Mikey had lost. 
So I'm like, oh, great. My teammate, all my teammates just lost. I'm about to get my ass kicked now, you know? So then, mind you, I was a fight right after his. So I'm behind the curtain warming up, and my coaches have to run all the way backstage through the doctors to just to get to me so we can walk out. Yeah. And my opponent is about 30, I wouldn't say about 30, maybe 20 feet away from me warming up with his coaches. I'm sitting there by myself waiting for my coaches. I'm like, oh, man, here we go. So uh, um, as soon as we get up there, like, you ready? I'm like, yeah. We step out from behind the curtain, and literally everything just went away. Um, I could hear the crowd. I could hear everybody. I could hear the intensity. I could feel it, you know? There's just a certain aura in that place that's so great. And um, instantly I just felt at home. You know, there's just something relaxing that happened, and I'll never forget it. And uh, I walked down, I got in the cage, and I circled the cage, felt the cage, um, felt the mat, felt this the sponginess of the mat, you know, it was just, everything was incredible. And then he came down, and he looked pissed off. And I'm like, okay, he's coming to fight. So I'm going to show everybody, I'm taking the center of the cage and he's got to come. If he wants a piece of me, if he wants to grab a hold of me, he's going to eat one of my fists first. And um, he came in, and he he's a tall, rangy kid. And he was actually considered a really highly touted prospect in the region um, before our fight. And uh, <laughs> I sat in the cage, and I sat in the middle, and he tried getting near me. Couldn't He ate an overhand right from me, stunned him. And just I gauged my rage from there. And then I was slowly waiting patiently, patiently, patiently. He tried to hit me again. I moved my head and I just hit him once. I seen his jaw drop and his eyes open up. And I knew he was hurt. And that's when the, the switch flipped in me. And that's something that you're either born with or not. That's something you can't be taught, you know. You either have that bloody instinct. When you see somebody hurt, it's an instant. No second thoughts. You're on them. You know, um, and that's what happened. I, I, I went in and I heard him. He went up against the cage and I dropped them three or four times right in a row before they stopped the fight. So, and then I uh, climbed on the cage and they got a video of me. I was sitting there screaming at the crowd and I was like, I told you so. I fucking told you, which was, uh, it was pretty cool. You know, it was something I'll never forget. And probably one of my, if not my best memory in my amateur career, one of my best feelings in my life. And what what uh was your boss's reaction that Monday? So uh, on Monday, he was like, "I knew you would kick his ass." Dot dot dot. But you know, every single fight since then, he was always saying the same thing. And <laughs> up until like, up until like my fourth or fifth fight, then he was like, "You're gonna kick this kid's ass, fucking! I can't wait. I want to buy tickets. I want to buy your shirt." And uh. Granted, we don't work together anymore. I, I trained full-time, and he ended up moving on and moving out of state. But he still calls me. Um, like, there's when I fought Jeff Joy down in Massachusetts, I, I hadn't talked to my boss in, or seen him in over a year. And he pulls up at that fight just to come and watch me. I, I don't even know where the guy lived. He pulled oh, up man. out of whatever state he was in, and uh, he watched me fight Massachusetts. So that's – uh. Somebody that, that is, I consider a real good friend, you know? 
And so um, what got you into fighting? Was there a specific moment where you watched MMA on TV or anything like that? Yeah, so um, I loved it. I don't know where it started, man. I was a very young kid. Um, I loved boxing at a very young age. I, I was just completely enamored by uh, um, Mike Tyson and Vander Holyfield, them kind of guys. And I started digging into smaller guys, you know, and uh, digging deeper back into, into the history of boxing. You know, um, my dad bought me my first pair of boxing gloves when I was about three or four years old, and they weren't the real special kind. They were kind that probably had the pillow fluff in the middle. Yeah. And uh, he, my dad would be on his knees, and I'm the youngest of all boys. Um, my dad would be on his knees, and I'd be standing there, and he'd throw on the gloves, and I'd throw on the gloves. And the reason why I know is, like, the pillow um, stuff, that the pillow fluffing that was in the yeah. glove is because every time he would punch me, the stuff would move, and his actual fist would punch me in the face <laughs> and i'm like i maybe i wasn't three i was probably four or five years old to be honest yeah. and uh and I, i'll never forget man it, it hurt you know um and then i was the youngest of all boys and uh we used to have first blood matches yeah. when i was the youngest and um so that kind of spurred and I, I played hockey and um I've just always been enamored with fighting, you know, I've, it's always been a part of my life. It's, it's who I am, you know? Um, and, and I also watched a lot of early UFC. My dad loved Tank Abbott. Tank um, Abbott. Yeah. That's a, that's uh, yeah. a throwback. Yeah. And he, he happened to be one of my favorites growing up too. You know, um, he was a little before my time, more my dad's time, but I grew up watching that, you know, and, and that's my, my dad's like, this is, you're going to fight. You got to fight like him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just ruthless, violent. And, uh, you know, I just, it's something about him that I loved, you know, just his whole makeup is, he's just a badass. He's a real Huntington beach, bad boy. Not Tito Ortiz. Not Tito Ortiz. Tank Abbott is. Man, I remember and, I was talking to Joe Giannetti a couple of weeks ago. Uh, yeah. And we were talking about uh, Anderson Silva how we both, our, our first experience for both of us was watching an Anderson Silva fight. I remember watching him beat Rich Franklin the first time, and you just saw Anderson destroy him, man. It, it broke my heart because at the time, I was all Rich, Rich Franklin. Uh, I remember I saw him, and I was enamored by the guy. I'm like, oh, man, this, you know, this guy looks like Ace Ventura, and he looks like a gym. Do you character. remember when uh, he fought Chris Lieben? Chris, uh, are you talking about Anderson or because I don't? Yeah, think Anderson. Which, okay, and, yeah, he he demolished him under. It was yeah. under two minutes. It was about a minute and forty seven seconds. Was, I still remember. What that was like? No, Anderson's it was forty seven. Anderson's debut, wasn't it? Yeah, it US was under debut. a minute. I want to say it was yeah. under a minute, man. He just demolished and, him. And you remember Chris Leapin? He was a bad dude back in the day. Yeah, man. I mean, the guy the guy was uh, throwing some crazy hands. I remember nobody wanted to you know stand up with that guy. Yeah, he had a big old melon head. It's like nobody could knock him out, you know? Yeah, regardless, I, knew, I think it was under a minute or under two minutes, man. But I just remember seeing Silva just destroy him. And then after that, he went on to win the title. Yeah. So yeah. it was uh, very insane. So I remember the, those were one of some of my first memories. Man, Anderson Silva was just phenomenal. Uh, again, I was talking to Joe about this. I was just letting him know that he 
was like the bad guy to me in MMA just because I wanted him to lose. You know, I was a young kid and I was like, God, like this guy wins no matter what, man. It's, it's unbelievable, you know? Yeah. I don't know if you saw the fight uh, against with him and Chael, but Chael was beating him that whole first, uh, for the whole first fight, man. And then he just caught him. And I remember telling my dad, like, oh, this is it, man. This is it. He's going to lose. It's over. Like, yeah. It's done. And he caught him. And I remember my dad just stood in shock. He's like, what the hell just happened? And I'm like. So my, my dad had one of the moments with uh, Royce Gracie. When yeah. Royce Gracie was coming in, killing everybody, he was like, I hated him. I hated him with a passion. He was yeah. like, and there's this one guy. I, I can't even remember the guy's name, but I've watched this fight multiple times. Um, he's like, this one guy had him. And then Royce Gracie started pulling his hair and uh, he ended up beating the guy, yeah. you know, cause he's, he was like pulling his hair, ripping his hair out during the fight. And he ended up subbing him. And um, he was like, I just hated the guy. I wanted him to lose so bad. I could not stand how you just go in there and just kill everybody, you know? Yeah, I so. mean, because, I mean, like, again, and I'm going to go go ahead and say this. I mean, I, I was a kid, and obviously now, I mean, to me, it was like, you know, like, I guess wrestling, where, you know, you have the good guy and the bad guy to, yeah. to me. Now it's obviously very different. I don't like to particularly root against any fighter because obviously I understand, you know, it's it's a lifestyle too, man. And obviously I'm yeah. not hoping somebody's, you know, doesn't accomplish their dreams. But, you know, it was a, it was a very uh, – it was a fun time. You know, you're growing up and you're watching these fights. And, uh, you know, I guess needless to say, though, it was just uh, – it's great. You know, you always got to have someone to root for. You always got someone to, you know, cheer against. Uh, so my question – my next question to you, though, now is uh, what is a goal for uh, you, Cam? What's a goal that you can share with us now? So my end goal, obviously, is to be a world champion. Okay. You know, that that's the big picture here. That's why I'm doing this. You know, I, I aside from – wanting a better life for my daughters and a better life for my family. Um, my, my goal is to be a world champion. Now, uh, my skills will translate into boxing. They will translate into MMA. Now, I, I'm doing MMA. MMA is my, my passion, you know, but no matter what I set, set my mind to and my heart to, whether that be boxing, bare-knuckle boxing, MMA, um, I believe I can be a world champion in any three, you know, in any of those. So um, that's my end goal. Um, to be a pro, I'd love to be a, a, a pro champion in a small promotion. Anywhere I go, I want to be a champion. I want to be the number one guy. Um, like I said earlier, you know, I've had nothing but people doubting me my whole life and no matter what I've done, you know, and, and maybe that's just be, I'm not going to say because I'm a small guy, but naturally that has something to do with it, you know? And, um, and naturally people just look over the smaller dude, you know, they always look for the bigger guy. It's just something natural about humans. You know, um, I can't explain. It. I don't think very many people can, you know? And then when I say, when I feel like I'm the alpha guy and no matter what it is, competitively speaking, nobody's going to believe me. You know, they're going to be, Oh, that guy who's, six four looking like Ken doll who's got all the muscles in the world um he's gonna be that guy you know no no I'm I'm the number one guy I'm the number one prospect I'm um everything that people are looking for you know especially in a combative in combat in combative sports you know you want somebody who's gonna be finishing people you want somebody who's 
who's out there to finish the fight, you know? And no matter what sport it is, like I said, it could be basketball. I'm coming to win, you know? And if, and if you're on my team and it's just a game to you, don't ever plan on playing with me again. You know, that's, that's how competitive I am, you know, and I'm there to win no matter what. Com completely understand that. Now, uh, can you tell my uh, viewers uh, what, what uh, division you fight in? So I am a uh, bantamweight and uh, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm a professional now. I just made a switch. I haven't made my pro debut yet. Um, but yes, I fight in the bantamweight division um, down the road. We're not so sure where I'm going to end up. Um, you know, I've had points where I, I, I believe I can make the flyweight division. Um, I, but I also believe my skill set can translate into the featherweight division as well. And so, uh, for the people that may not know, batting, batting weight, I don't know if I pronounce that right, is at 135 pounds. Uh, so yes. you're making 135 pounds. Uh, how, uh, what's your normal weight? If you don't mind me asking that you normally, yeah, I don't mind, man. Um, so I, I fluctuate. I, um, like last year I made the switch over to recon MMA here in yeah. Westbrook, Maine, um, just over a year and a half ago now. And, um, so when I was over at my former gym, at my heaviest, I was walking at 165. Okay. And in camp, I was walking at 155, okay. which still isn't that great. It's pretty average, honestly, okay. if you look at what other people walk around at opposed to being in shape. And then when I made the switch over to recon, um, mind you, my weight fluctuates based yeah. off my emotions. Now, if I'm... Okay. I am not no shame in this. There's points where I'm depressed. There's points where I'm very angry. There's times I'm very happy. You know, yeah. I try not get too high or too low on anything, you know, Correct. and yeah. it kind of keeps me consistent. Um, mind you now, when I made the switch over to recon, I instantly dropped 20 pounds. Oh, I was 164 pounds. When I left my former gym, I went to recon within the month. I dropped 20 pounds and I was walking at 143 pounds all year long. Oh, damn. Yeah, which is incredible. And I hear, I've heard of uh, flyweights in my region that are walking at 153, 152, 151. And they're making flyweight, yeah. so, which is 125 pounds for the, for the folks who don't know. So that's, uh, that's a good almost 25-pound difference you know and yeah absolutely um, is there a rule of thumb though the reason why i ask is there is there a rule of thumb uh you know you being now switching it to a professional so is there a rule of thumb or when it comes to like weight does it really not matter as long as you make your weight for your fight so yeah the, as a professional it's, it's all based off everybody's different everybody's mm -hmm. body is different everybody's body reacts differently to certain things under stress in particularly now mind you when you're cutting weight your body is under stress of, yeah absolutely a lot of stress because it's it's such a sudden moment especially for a lot of people who don't know how to cut weight and i've been there man where i i didn't have the proper cutting weight technique and i was putting my body under of a lot of stress yeah and um points where i probably should have gone to the hospital um didn't but um so it has a big play in that you know, yeah. and um, so needless to say, there's no really rule of thumb. I guess you'd say for me, I like to stay within 
when I'm ready and I'm feeling good and in shape, I like to stay anywhere 10 to 15 pounds from my fight, from my weigh-in weight, right? So okay. I got to weigh yeah. in at 135, but when I fight, I'm probably 145, 148 pounds because yeah. I get 24 <laughs> pounds to, uh, I get uh, 24 hours to put back on weight, yeah. right? To, to rehydrate. So, but there are people, I talk to many people who cut, cut weight from 20 pounds out. That's a, that's a big cut. Crazy, right? So 20 pounds is for an MMA fighter. Uh, 20 pounds does, if I told you 20 pounds, you think that's crazy, right? That's a, like yeah, a, I a think crazy that's amount of weight much. that you think. Yeah. Cause yeah. a lot of people, so a lot of people may not know this and, you know, again, don't really like pay attention to like the everyday fighter's life, obviously uh, your profession. It's something that you can't just switch it on and off i mean uh, i'm assuming that on a yearly on a year basis i mean you're not just you know eating twinkies one day and say hey i'm gonna just eat twinkies for like the next two to three months and then okay well i gotta fight so let me just cut on this i mean you kind of have to watch in a sense and be a little bit disciplined even if you're not having a fight am i correct oh you do man i i'm you're talking to you you literally just described me in one setting before there's there's been times man where i'm like all right, I'm taking the summer off. I'm not fighting. So I'm going to enjoy myself. I'm going to eat whatever I want. Yeah. And at the time, I'm like, enjoy yourself. This is what I'm telling myself. Oh, enjoy yourself. You deserved it. You you kicked ass this whole time. You worked your ass off. Enjoy some food. But in the hindsight of things, it sucked. It was the wrong decision for me to do because I had gained all that weight, man. Right. Yeah. And then um, I gained all that weight, especially like throughout COVID. Right. I gained yeah. through all, all that weight and I didn't gain much because I kept training. But there was a point where I was like, all right, I'm enjoying my summer. I gained all that weight. And then I'm like sitting there coming to training still. Fat is not fat as hell, but fat. Right. Yeah. To, you, to, the, to the fighting standard. To me anyway. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was oh, yeah. At, at my gym, I was 160 pounds at my current gym. I'm like, that's not me. That's me when I'm unhappy, yeah. you know? So I'm like, and instantly I'm like, you fat piece of crap. You know what I mean? This is what I'm saying to myself. So obviously I'm getting down on myself mentally. I'm beating myself up because I got to stare at myself all day long. Yeah. And I can see it in my face. And when I can see it in my face, that's when you really get inside my head. Um. So needless to say, I like I gotta stop doing this. And it got really hard, man. It, it's really hard because you gotta get back into good eating habits, and that's where I feel strongest. Is when I'm in good habits, it's easy for me to eat clean forever. For sure, I, I don't have to think about it. But when I do eat bad for one day, I can feel it, and it's not a good feeling, you yeah, know. It's about so the fuel you put in your you, body. Right. And it's not bad in a sense to go out and have a cheat day maybe once every couple weeks, weeks? but I maybe once a week. Once I was like weeks. Week. Oh, hey man. <laughs> once a week. Yeah. yeah okay, once I was going to say, well, cause I, I know people that do it once, once a week. I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah. It, once, once a week isn't bad. You know, for me, yeah. I don't like to get into that habit for because sure. that, because once I'm in that habit, then there's going to be coming up, come a point in time where it can be like, uh, I can have two cheat two, two, two cheat days this week because you're putting in the work and you know, right exactly it an and you're and you already got it into your scheduling that you already have one cheat day a week. So why 
come accustomed to having that when you can have when you can become accustomed to having zero zero cheat days a week and then splatter one in here and there yeah. and then you really enjoy it and so the next day with the next day you wake up you're not seeing it in your face you're not seeing it in your your lower half of your gut yeah. you know around your waistline yeah. right because your body is already um is already digested you know and it's not used to having that stuff in it every week you know the sugars, the salts, all that crap to hold on to the water and everything else that which keeps you bloated. You know, so uh, there's a lot that goes into it, man. I like I like to stay in good habits. You know, yeah, when I'm in sure. good habits and I'm happy, there's not a man in this world that can stop me. You know, the only person that can stop me from performing is me. You know, and that that starts in the kitchen. That starts with at at my personal life with being happy at home being happy at the gym, being happy with myself, and uh, then everything else just aligns. Yeah. Now, uh, do you have any advice for maybe someone that's feeling, you know, down in the dumps just because of the fact that, you know, COVID is still going on, we're still in a pandemic, and maybe they're not, you know, don't feel comfortable going to an actual gym to work out. Do you have any advice or maybe anything that you did that, you know, I don't know if you were going out, you know, to the gym to work out, but for the people that are just trying to like stay strictly at home quarantine, is there any advice you give somebody when it comes to like uh, trying to like meet a fitness goal? So for me, uh, in the beginning of my pandemic or for in the beginning of the pandemic as a whole, yeah. um, I tried staying at home and they're like, just two weeks, two weeks, everybody stay at home. Everything's going to shut down for just two weeks, yeah. flatten the curve. And that's what it is. So, I'd stayed home. Now, mind you, I don't work a job. My job is to train. Correct. My full-time job is training and taking care of my girls. And that's it. Um, so I had a lot of time at home with my girls. And what I found was, A, it's very hard to stay positive in such times. I understand that. I went through uh, a very depressive state um, throughout COVID. It was very much like a roller coaster. And when I say like a roller coaster it was more crazy for me on a day-to-day -day span than um, just being in my own head from being happy to being sad, to being angry, to, to, you know, there was, it just didn't seem like there was a happy medium. It was just an everyday high and low. Um, so for me, what I tried to do was I got out of my house and I just walked around my yard. Okay. Literally I walked around my yard I started planting, I started cleaning up my yard. Um, and, and before you know it, I started feeling productive, mm -hmm. you know, and I think remaining productive is the biggest thing. Now, mind you, a lot of people be like, Oh, well, I don't want to, I won't, <coughs> excuse me. Okay. Um, I don't want to clean my room. I don't want to do this. Well, get out of your house. Don't sit in your house. Cause was for me, my biggest thing was sitting in my house, for almost 24 hours a day with my kids not being able to do much yeah. and I got to remain active. That's where I know I'm happy is when I'm active, you know, and Absolutely. whether that be um, just walking around, you know, so I found a, a, a new passion in gardening and, and bird watching and yeah, sounds so um, relaxing. Dude, it was, man. It was unbelievable. I, uh, me and my wife, we had bought in a bunch of birdhouses 
and we put them up all in the yard. We had uh, started a new garden at my house. It was just really, I found some new enjoyments that I never thought I could enjoy or never thought I would enjoy for that matter throughout my life. Um, You know, and I think that's just what it is, is maybe learning something new and and, and, and adapting, you know, and, and you probably know this, the human being, human beings naturally crave to learn. Yeah. You know, we, we naturally crave to learn whether, no, whether people liked school or not, that's one thing. But when you find yourself removed from school for so long and you find something new that you didn't know, like for me, I found myself more studious in the last five to seven years than I ever have in my entire life. Now, mind you, I was a very intelligent kid. Um, you know, I just, I really didn't apply myself. I went kind of went down the wrong path when I was a younger kid, got into some trouble and all that. And, uh, I really don't know, you know, um, but I was a very intelligent kid. You know, I just, I wish I had applied myself a lot more, but I think I'm utilizing that more now than ever. And, um, with that, with that being said, I just kind of tried to study up on the human being all in itself. Um, a bunch of new things, man. And, and a lot of that, mind you, this is before Corona, but, um, before Corona, I had learned about, um, Murphy's law and the law of attraction and speaking things into existence and being aware of one's thoughts because thoughts become things. Now, if you're constant, if you're constantly complaining, you're going to reap what you sow. Right. And if you're constantly having a negative mindset and a negative mind frame, you're going to see a lot of, you're going to see a lot of negative outcomes, you know? And, and I started, once I became aware of my thoughts and really became aware of my feelings, I really started zoning in on what I would became or what I was grateful for, you know, and this goes right into driving, driving down the road. When I get into a road rage dispute, I guess you would say. (laughs) And, uh, when I get into one of them little spats, I literally have to sit back and I think about things I'm grateful for, like me having a license, me being able to have the privilege of owning a nice car and, and, and not being a distraction to the police with any of my vehicles, you know, just having a nice solid vehicle, being grateful for that, being grateful for my kids, being grateful for the ability to drive and the privilege to drive, you know, and then before you know it, I'm happy as a bird and I'm singing again. And, uh, you know, just try to be aware of, of yourself and your thoughts, you know, especially during this time. And I know it's going to be hard for a lot of people because Definitely. a lot of people just don't have the ability or, or the, um, the strength in their mind or so they're aware of to be able to battle those demons. You know, a lot of people yeah. give into that, you know, and it's tough, man. It really is. And, it uh, is. you know. I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a creature of it all in itself, you know? So now, uh, any, uh, tips for someone that's trying to, you know, I guess get back to, you know, fitness and trying to eat healthy. What's, uh, just some, I guess something big or something key that you do to just, you know, maintain, we talked about, you don't have, you know, many cheat days. What advice do you give to somebody that's making the transition to start eating clean and trying to, you know, better themselves? Something so simple, water. 
I'm water. telling you right now, water, water, water. Put down at least a gallon of water a day. Okay. A gallon of water a day. There's going to be times where I'm telling you at first, if you don't drink a lot of water, you're going to be like, I hate water. But the thing is, it's an acquired taste. If you drink it so much, like if you drink it enough, not so much, if you drink it enough, you're going to begin to crave water. And if, you, if you're if you into the habits of drinking soda, now mind you, I know this all too well. Yeah. If, if I drink soda for two days straight, I'm going to crave soda for the remaining days after that until I kick myself in the head and force water into my system. And I start craving water. And then next thing I know, I'm drinking a gallon of water a day and I'm still craving water. And all at the same time, I'm filling my body up and I have that full sensation in my stomach for the time period. And I don't need to fill up on a lot of stuff. So mind you, I start with water. And then I move on to counting my calories, eating cleaner, eating, um, um, just eating a lot more cleaner calories, like vegetables, stuff like that. You know, what's something um, good yeah. that doesn't require a lot of work into for someone, you know, just trying to like, I guess, make the transition. what's something that you recommend that would be quick and fast and efficient for somebody that's barely making that transition? Like just, just chicken, carrots, rice. Yeah. Chicken, dude, chicken is definitely clean. Um, I like to eat chicken. I like to eat a lot of red meat. Red meat is brilliant because there's zero carbs. Um, it's all high protein, obviously. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of good stuff that comes with that. Eat chicken. The only thing about chicken is it has sodium in there. So if, it, if you have, if you're, you got to keep in mind your sodium intake and your sugar intake. Cause if you have a lot of sugar and a lot of sodium in your, in, in your, in your body and you put all that water in, you're not going to let any of it go because oh, it's okay. going to retain it. And you're going to have a w- bunch of water weight and you're going to be like, what the heck? I shouldn't have listened to this kid. Right. <laughs> and, yeah, trust me, I've done it before. So, um, <laughs> so you, you really got to watch everything. Cause one decision could, Start or impacting. one mistake could, mess up everything right so you really gotta start with your water lower your your sugar and your salt intake and when you're putting that much water you're gonna be peeing a lot which you're gonna be peeing a lot of your toxins out and the more you put in the cleaner you get right that makes sense um you start putting cleaner food in right you gotta treat your body like a car you gotta put good gas in there right so you gotta put chicken Broccoli. I like eating a lot of asparagus because it keeps me full and it's almost like a, a treat to me in some way. Uh, it tastes like a treat to me. I add a little garlic and some Worcestershire sauce and it's perfect. Um, add some chicken. That's clean. Now, if you want to really go all out, boil the chicken, right? Get all the salt out of it, right? Sure. But it's going to be wicked bland, right? Add a little bit of pepper to it um, and you're gonna. it's going to be great, right? Um, another thing I like to eat bacon. I like to be eating bacon cause those are some good fats. Um, keeps you full, you know, it's just, I try to, I do not eat bread. I really don't eat bread at all. I very I rarely, I stay away from bread at all costs, man. Cause those are the number one killer for me. Um, people. I don't ever don't touch your bread. Stay away from it. <laughs> That's uh, stay stay away from bread from Mr. Cam Arnold. So uh, real quick, Cam. So let's just do a little speed round here real quick. I don't have that much time left. So I wanted to get into uh, the fights coming up and some yes. MMA talk, man. We're MMA fans. 
I was talking to you earlier. We we're talking about uh, that Bellator fight coming up between Douglas Lima and Mr. Gegard uh, Masasi. I don't know if I pronounced that right. But, yes, uh, I, I believe you did. That's, I'm, I'm very excited for this fight. It'll actually be next week on the CBS Network channel on a Thursday, 7 o'clock uh, Central Time, that is. Uh, who do you have uh, winning that fight? Man, I feel like this is going to be such a tough fight. Um, I think Musasi is the more all-around skilled fighter, and I think he still has a lot of miles and a lot of gas in the tank left. Yeah. Um, and what's his record, by the way? It's some impeccable record, man. He's got like, what is it? Almost, was he like 35 and three or something? It's an insane record. Let me, I'm going to pull it because now I'm, now you got me curious. It's something insane. Yeah. So I actually have it right here. So Gegard's record is actually going into this fight is 46 and seven. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's insane. yeah. Wow. Wow. 40, 46 and seven. And then uh, for Douglas, uh, for Douglas Lima, I'm looking that up right now. He's got an insane record too, actually. He's a uh, 32 and seven. Yeah, that's still damn good. It's so that fight. man, like, I don't know. I personally, I would like Lima to win. Personally, I'd love Lima to win. However, I think Musashi's going to pull it off. I really do. Yeah, I think he's too big. I think Musashi's too big. Um, I, I don't question, we were talking about this earlier. I don't question Lima's striking power or mm. the ability. I mean, when you look at Lima, he's real polished. Yes. That's the thing that really impresses me a lot. But I think Mustafi gets it done. I think so, too. I think he's going to grind him out. Now, uh, this Saturday, though, huge fight. I'm very excited for this card. We got uh, Robert Whitaker taking on Jared Cannonier. Uh, who do you have winning that fight? Uh, Whitaker uh, beat Till. And Cannonier is on a three-fight win streak. Man, that's another good fight. I think that has a potential for fight of the night. Um. Again, Ugh. you know what? I'm going with Whitaker on that one. I want Whitaker to win, okay. but I would not be surprised to see Kennedyer win it. I really would not be surprised to see him hurt Whitaker and uh, finish him off. And and you look at Whitaker, man. He's not really a big middleweight at all. No, he's not. Um, uh, he, and Kennedyer, he's fought in a heavyweight. Yeah. I like uh, Whit- Whit- Whitaker's fantastic. I, I love his work ethic. I saw him on, you know, The Ultimate Fighter and fell in love with the way the guy trains. He's a, one of those guys that's real tough mentally. Yeah. And it was great to see when I, when I saw him fight uh, Till, fight Till uh, you know, he was losing at the start of the fight and he was able to get traction and dominated the rest of the fight. I like Kenanier to win, though, this fight. I think, I think it's his time, man. I think it's his yeah, time. Yeah, I, I think so, too. That. I wouldn't be fight. surprised. I, I like him a lot. Uh, Khabib versus Gaethje. A lot of people are pretty much closing the book on Gaethje, which is uh, ridiculous to me, just because of the fact that, you know, he's 22 and two. Uh, we saw what he did to Tony Ferguson. I was shocked. And everyone's pretty much saying that Gaethje has a puncher's chance. That's pretty much the only shot. That's what I've heard a lot of people say. And I, you know, I don't, I don't see why, man. I mean, I see what this guy did and he put on a clinic against Tony Ferguson. Khabib though, 28 and no monster wrestler i had joe gianetti a couple weeks ago and even he told me that khabib uh you know khabib is just on a whole nother level now i look at gaethje and i think to myself man i think he's got more than a puncher's chance i think people gotta respect it i don't think khabib should definitely go into that fight not saying that he definitely is i don't think so i think uh khabib's a professional but 
I, I don't think there's a, a cake, a cakewalk uh, for Khabib. What do you think? Uh, so I, I agree 100%. This is my thing. I totally agree with Joe on a sense that I think Khabib's on a whole different level, especially when he's striking. Um, I think you're going to see a more polished striker as we've seen him grow, especially within the last few fights he's had alone. He, he's really come a long way, a long way with his kickboxing and, and his boxing in general. Um, now, with that being said, we also got to look at the, the events leading up to the Tony Ferguson Gaethje fight. Tony Ferguson had cut weight. Was it a week before that? I want to say it was within a month. It was within a month. I don't. I don't think it was a week. I, it was within a month. Though. Yeah, it was a, he didn't a, even a have to make weight, and he, he 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 made weight. And we can't act like that didn't have. I I want to say that had to have an effect on his performance. I mean, it looked like it, and yeah. I want to say it was more so closer together than a month. You know, I, I want to say it was no. It really for close sure, together. for sure, it was under. It had to be for sure. No, no more than a month. I believe it was under a month. It definitely, I yeah. I agree. I think that. You know, Tony's gutsy, but I feel like that kind of got the better of Right. Him. Now, now, mind you, Gaethje put on a hell of a performance, man. He, like, I, from what I saw from Gaethje that day was unbelievable. You could hear everything he was throwing. He, he kicks like a mule, man. You know, like his – we haven't even seen what he can do for wrestling. You know, and I'm not going to say I'm not going to go out on a limb and say he has outstanding wrestling or outstanding grappling to the extent of uh, Habib's. But I will say it's you got to account for it for some reason, man. There's a reason why we haven't seen it at this level. There's got to be a reason. You know, his defensive wrestling has got to be good. Now, mind you, you got also got got to take into an account his power his athleticism his striking ability from his hands to his knees to his cat uh, to his shin bones right yeah and if you're not taking it uh, into an account his leg kicks right he's keeping up his shell right around his head while he's kicking your leg out from underneath you you know and it, they're not light by any means so when we watched that fight with him and, and tony, tony ferguson and we just watched him pick him apart at the power he was. I was like, if he does that to Khabib, we've never seen anybody do that to him. Like, even try to impose that on him. So if we see him even impose that on Khabib, we may see a different fighter. You know, and I, I watching the weigh-ins yesterday, and I don't know how many people have seen the weigh-ins, and I'm sure you did, but if you yeah, watched I, the Wayans, yes. Oh, you didn't. I saw I saw him. Khabib uh, looked a little bit drained, in my opinion. Now, again, you're you're yeah. the you're the professional here with, with that stuff. He, to me, it looked uh, like he was drained. Yeah. To me, he looked weak. He looked very weak. He had to drop the towel. Another thing that we have to take into account, if you watch the Wayans again, yeah. um, the guy slid the thing all the way back before it stopped moving. It was on its way up when he slid it down and said 155. Yeah, that, so he was we, uh, definitely nervous. I wasn't uh, – I was very shocked. I woke up. It was about 5 in the morning when I saw that. I was like, what? What? That's weird. Yeah. That's, so that's that would – that to me – now, mind you, I don't think – I don't think Gaethje would care if he was 3.3 over or half a pound under. Now, I – Think you'd probably care if he was a pound or two over? Yes. Yeah. But 
Um, Gaethje's just at a whole different mindset right now. And I think he, I think he's going to impose his fight. And and if he can hurt Khabib early, which I think he's going to, I think he's going to put him away in the second round. So you're predicting Gaethje, a Gaethje win? Yep. I am going to go ahead and go against you on that one. I think Khabib gets it done. I feel like it'll be a unanimous decision. You think so? Yeah. You know, I, again, I'm not. I'm probably going to be wrong. I'm probably going to be wrong. I'll say that. Yeah, it's it's kind of one of those things where a lot of people, like I was so pumped when they got, you know, when they booked uh, Masvidal versus Usman. Yeah. Very excited. But I did tell a lot of my friends, like, you know, you guys got to temper your expectations. You know, Masvidal, Usman, it's probably going to go to the ground. Usman's going to dominate on the ground. And that's the kind of fight, you know, that we got for the most part. You know, Masvidal. It was worse than that. It was he, worse than that. He just held him up against the cage. And yeah, he held him up him for yeah. 25 minutes. Pretty, pretty much on that. And I thought, even though I thought Masvidal did good for you know as much preparation as he had in that sense, uh, I kind of expect the same fight. To be honest with you, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I respect Justin. I think he's a fantastic fighter. Uh, I feel like he does have more than a puncher's chance. But again, prediction, prediction wise, I think it's going to be similar to that Usman Masvidal fight. I think Khabib's going to impose his will and take him down. I feel like Gaethje will be able to get a couple shots in. I see Khabib, though, remaining undefeated. Hopefully, we can get that GSP fight, though, set up. Um, I would love to see that now. It's, that it's is very something exciting. That, that is something that I would love to see happen. And it's probably – now, mind you, if it does happen, like it should happen sooner than later before GSP gets too old and too far out of the game. And we also got to think – uh, Habib, he, I don't think he wants to do this too much longer. You know, yeah. I don't see him doing this too much longer. So what I do, what I do see him doing, what I could see him potentially doing is say he retires. He doesn't get the GSP fight. He retires. He sits out for a year. Yeah. And then someone along the likes of like a GSP or another Hall of Famer or something like that, would entice him to come out and there's a big money fight and all that. I could see him doing something along those lines, you know. Um, but hopefully, I mean, hopefully GSP comes back and we have a full-fledged, like, two guys mentally in it, mentally checked in, ready to fight, sure. and we get a great performance out of both of them for the fans and, and for future fans that may not be fans right now, you know. Absolutely. I'm very. I'm still very excited to watch both of these guys. I'm excited to see the kind of work that Justin does. Next week, we have Uriah Hall versus uh, Anderson Silva. Very Ooh. enticing uh, matchup. I think that Silva, this will be his uh, actually last UFC fight, I believe. I'm not sure if it'll be his last MMA fight. I think it will be, but we'll see. I have Uriah Hall winning this fight. I think everything's set up for him to win. Do you agree or disagree? Disagree. Disagree? Disagree. Okay. I think... Uh... You know, Anderson has actually put on, if I'm not mistaken, he's actually put on some good performances his last couple of fights, aside from, what, didn't he hurt his leg in one of the last Yeah, I fights? believe it was against Cannoneer. Yes, yes. And I thought that was the end for him. I'm like, oh, no, not again, because he had broken his leg. Uh, you remember him breaking his leg, and it was really nasty. It was against, and are you talking about the Weedman fight, or are you talking about the... Uh, when he snapped his leg in half. Yeah, that was Weedman. Oh, man. That was, yeah. Oh, yeah. That and was then, uh, so when he hurt his leg against Cannoneer, I'm like, great. It's at, it's at his age now where this is going to be the last time we see him. But uh, who did he fight after that? And he actually put on a great 
uh, it wasn't great, but it was a good performance. You know what I mean? Like it made you hopeful still. Anderson, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that was his last fight. I'm checking that right now. So Anderson Silva's last fight was actually against Cannonier, though. Okay, so who was his last couple of fights before that? Is uh, Adesanya. It was a decision against Adesanya, and then he beat yeah. Brunson with a unanimous decision. Yeah, so maybe it was Brunson I was thinking about where he actually performed pretty well. And even Adesanya, I mean, that wasn't a terrible fight for him. You know, like, I don't think he got no. outclassed too bad there. Not too, not too bad uh, on that one. I just – I think Hall's younger, though. I think uh, yeah. experience can only get you so far when, you know, your your body's just getting older, I think. And I respect Silva. We're just talking about him. Uh, what's uh, what's Hall's record, though? Isn't he like 15 and 10? I believe he was 15 and 9. Uriah Hall, I believe, is 15 and 9. Just going to check that here. He's kind of like a lightning in a bottle kind of guy. He is He's lightning. Like- Actually, he is uh, 15 and 9. He is 15 and 9. Yeah. So I think, I mean, I think everything's set up for Uriah Hall to win this fight. I believe, though, I think that if he doesn't get it done, I'm going to be really nervous for him. And yeah. though I, I, I would put money on Hall. Um, Bryce Mitchell versus Andre Philly is a very interesting matchup, though. Next week as well, we're actually that's actually going to be the co-main event. Mitchell, I got uh, Bryce Mitchell on that one. That's a, that's a home run there. In my I opinion, really I, I, I agree with you, 13-0. Philly's phenomenal, twenty-one and seven. He's reeled in a couple couple wins though. Mitchell's yeah. on a whole nother level though, man. He's a very very dangerous fighter, and he spits the game too. You know what I mean? Like he's got that. He's a country boy, yeah, but he's got that uh, fire to his talk. You know, he's 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 a very young, enticing fighter. I, I want to keep an eye on him. Last uh, last couple fights I want to go over: Megan Anderson versus Amanda Nunez. Will uh, Megan Anderson be the first, or be the first one to stop Amanda Nunez in a long time and take those take that belt? At what weight is this going to be at? This one is going to be so we have Nunez. I believe it's going to be at featherweight. I believe oh. it's going to be at featherweight. I, I just because of the I, fact that Anderson usually uh, is uh, known to fight in that uh, that division. Right. I'm gonna go ahead and say featherweight. Just double-check the sources. It is a featherweight title fight. It is going to be at 145. Yeah, man. So, uh, I'm definitely taking Nunez in this fight. But I I like Megan Anderson's potential. You know, um, she's a big body, long legs, um, very good reach, big, um, tough. But uh, I don't think she's – I don't think she quite has that mentality that Nunez does, you know, and I think Nunez can come and go and dominate this game whenever she wants, you know, and, and when she did what she did to Chris Cyborg, I, I could not believe it. I, uh, I was like, wow, this chick is for real. You know, and then she kept doing what she's doing. I'm like, yeah, this chick is bad. <laughs> you yeah, know? And I mean, you're only human, man, but you figure I saw that Chris Cyborg fight and I thought I, my, jaw dropped down um, i just couldn't believe it how like easy she made it look and she, she's such a phenomenal athlete and i like to me and amanda nunez is possibly the you know the greatest female athlete in mixed martial arts man without a doubt uh she's phenomenal you name them she's beating them i don't see mm-hmm. anyone stop stopping her megan anderson i will give her the sense where i feel like she's got the great coaching staff to be able to yes. build a awesome game plan to be able to pull off an upset uh james cross 
very respected uh, fighter and coach. I feel like, you know, the, the team over there is uh, doing a fantastic job over there in Missouri. Can't bet against Nunez, though. I'm not going to be wrong on that side. I, I bet against her when she fought Cyborg. I'm definitely not doing that again. Uh, the one that I'm the most excited for, for, and I waited till the very end, Peter Yan versus Aljamain Sterling. Very excited for this fight. Fireworks, man. Aljamain Sterling finally gets that title shot that, in my opinion, I feel like he's been uh, deserved, and they try to snub him, man. I'm glad that he's getting what he, what he deserves, man. Uh, what, do you, what do you have? Oh, man. I'm going uh, Peter Yan. I'm going Yan. Um, I love Sterling, though. I love Aljamain Sterling. I think he has what it takes to be the best in the world. I really do. I think he has the skill set to be the man. Um, what I think he does lack is that championship mentality. Yeah. Um, now, I don't know the guy personally, so I can't really go on a limb and attack his mentality whatsoever, but I think that's something that he does lack, and he could he could be on the path right now. He could prove me wrong, you know. I don't know what he's been doing for the last so many months or throughout COVID, yeah. but um, but he hasn't proved that, you know. Um, he did have a very good showing. What was his last fight? Who did he fight uh, last? Man, he beat week? Corey Sanhagen. Uh, yes, Corey Sanhagen. And Sanhagen is a beast. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and he's a beast. But I think his skill set, he's better off going after the sub with Jan. Um, but yeah. Jan is a very all-around – he's a cold-blooded, calculated killer, man. And I think that's something that you have to possess as a champion. You know, if you look at the champions, at the champions in the UFC, and look at something that they all kind of, um, something that they all kind of possess is they all have that cold, bloody, calculated compose, uh, composure. You know, yeah. they all possess that. Amen Nunez, um, Israel Adesanya, um, Steve, literally all of them. Killers. You know what I mean? And and they have that mentality, like, yeah, let's do it. But they're going to remain calm, cold, calculated, you know? I and I think that's something that Sterling hasn't really shown he has, you know? Um, How do you feel about Jan's um, takedown defense? So I think his wrestling is really good. Yeah. I, I think his – obviously, he's known for his boxing. Yeah. Um, but one thing we can't sleep on is his wrestling. Now, Absolutely. do I – one thing that is questionable to me would be his jujitsu. You know, what is his, what is his uh, jujitsu defense like? You know, is he going to have a good defense there? Or is he just going to be looking for kind of like a, a wrestling situation where he's going to uh, defend, like a def be a def defensive wrestler, you know, and then attack off of that, which I think is very possible because we've seen that in the past. Yeah. Um, However, what is Sterling going to do? That, this is where he's got to prove that he's got that mindset to where he can adapt and overcome on the fly and remain cold and calculated yeah. all in that same time. Now, if he does that, he's going to find his way in. He's going to drag him to the ground. He's going to beat him up. He's going to sub this guy. You know, um, Do I think he has the skill set to finish him on the feet? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Um, do I think that's his – Best way to victory? No, Absolutely I don't. 
you know, and uh, I think if he chooses that route, then he's further solidifying my point in, in not having that championship mentality. I think beyond polished, he's a cold-blooded killer, man. Yes. On the feet. I felt bad when I saw him dismantle Uriah Faber. Um, um, and I, I was a, it was a straight up, it was a, I felt like it was a beatdown and it was hard to watch, you know, as a fan, uh, you know, but I thought to myself, man, this guy's a killer, very polished, strong hands. Um, you know, I really want to say Sterling, but I, I, I agree with you. I think, I think Jan gets it done within, you know, third, fourth round finish. Mm. Uh, and I'm, again, man, it's very scary to go up against some of these guys again, from my, from my, my standpoint, yeah. uh, these guys, uh, I mean, Jan's phenomenal 15 and one. On a 10 fight yeah. win streak. I mean, and again, you see some of the punishment. I saw him, but uh, my very first fight I saw him uh, compete in was against uh, Jimmy Toretta, and he punished them the entire yeah. the entire time. And uh, I mean, this guy's got some heavy hands. I have. And uh, Jimmy uh, Rivera's a dog, man. Yeah, I mean, this. I mean, this guy's not beating scrubs either. You know, you, you mean Jan's. Yeah. Jan's fought some real, some real dudes, man. I mean, so some real... I remember when. Uh, do you remember when Marlon Moraes Mar- fought? Uh... Do you remember when Marlon Moraes fought Jimmy Rivera? And Jimmy Rivera was, like, on a 20-fight winning streak. Yeah. And Marlon Moraes just, like, jabbed him. And then jab switch kicked and knocked him, knocked his head, like, right into the 10th row. And that right there, like, going into that fight, I thought Jimmy Rivera was going to beat him, beat uh, Marlon Moraes. Absolutely. And then uh, he was able to weather the storm, and then uh, Moraes came back to finish him. Yeah, I, I remember that one. The last fight Jan had was against oh, it was against Jose Aldo. Yes, and, he, and I felt like, like towards the end of the fight, man, you you tell that Jan imposes will in that mm-hmm. fight. So I mean, I mean, Jan's not beating any scrubs either. You know what I mean? He earned uh that that title shot. He's beating some straight up some right. competitors, man. Some, some and guys. that's the thing is Aldo has that championship mentality. Yeah, and if, and, and if, and if if Jan's beating those guys with all the already that experience in in a championship situation, he's gonna. I I mean I'd say you know he's gonna put some work in on Sterling. You know this is just gonna be more experience, another hole in the in the belt for him. You know what I mean? This is just, yeah. just another day in the office for Jan. Now I wouldn't you know. Anybody can go in there and have a bad day, and Absolutely. somebody can just be a better fighter than them. That's God given day, but um, I put my money on Jan. I think so too. I agree with you. Seven days of the week. So uh, last thing uh, before before we sign off. Uh, so any message that you have for anybody that says I want to fight Cam Arnold in the professional ranks? What let's what get it, baby. Let's get it. Let's get it because I'm here. I'm ready to climb the ranks. I'm starting at the bottom. I know nobody, nobody, but I know nobody believes in me. But what I have a tendency to do is to prove everybody wrong. And I've always done that from the start. And I'm not going to stop doing that until I get to that gold. And it's not just going to be in a small regional show. I'm going to be on the world-class level. So if you're going to come, you're ready to fight me. I hope you're ready to fight. And I hope you mean that because there's no other place in this God-given planet that I'd rather be than inside of a cage locked with another man ready to fight. Awesome. That's Cam Arnold, everybody. Cam, any, uh, any message to the viewers, though? 
Um, so I can I get a quick minute? Thank my sponsors real quick. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Uh, first, I want to thank all the all the viewers, um, all the supporters, every anybody who's listening, um, for giving me, you know, and 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 you for th- for giving me the platform um, to ex- for some exposure. Um, maybe get some new eyes on me, some new supporters, some new friends. You know, I appreciate all that you do and all like minds like you that you guys do. Um, without you guys, it'd be hard to get some exposure for guys like me. Um, but I also want to get uh, take a minute and thank my sponsors, uh, Medco Maine, Sean Horton Tattoos, um, and Art Gallery. Um, I want to thank Crow's Nest Barbershop. I want to thank um, – Mainline Plumbing and Heating. I want to thank Naples Marina, Jim Cole Carpentry and Roofing. Um, I want to thank The Shea. Um, I want to thank Complete Excavation. I want to thank The Halo Studio, uh, my gym, Recon MMA. I want to thank my coaches, Darren, um, Darren Elder, Coach John Dupree, Coach Adam, all my teammates. I want to thank my new managers, Travis Lazat, um, Lars Borson, Steve Domenico, um, full contact management. Um, you know, and I just want to thank all of New England. Uh, I, I just want to thank everybody who's been along with me along the way. I want to thank the people who've never believed in me. Um, you guys are the reason why I'm here and why I'm going where I'm going right now. You know, um, you know, without you guys. I'd have nothing to prove, you know? So uh, I appreciate everything good and bad because no matter what, I'm turning in, turning it into good, so. Awesome, that's Cam Arnold, everybody. I'm gonna have his, his Instagram uh, linked in the description below of this episode and on my Instagram at uh, Critical Condition Sports. You can go ahead and follow him. What's your handle on Instagram, Cam, for everyone to listen? So I have... Two Instagrams. Um, the one I'm currently using is Killacam MMA. Um, it's a newer Instagram that I had to have made up. Um, as you know, I had phone troubles recently. Yeah. But this isn't my first time having phone troubles recently. So uh, um, I had to create a new Instagram recently, the one I just dropped. But my old one is Killacam Arnold MMA. So you can look up both Killacam MMA and Killacam Arnold MMA on Instagram. Um, I'm also on Facebook, Cam Arnold. Um, I both have a fan page and a regular Facebook. Um, I do not have a Twitter yet, but yeah, get a hold of me anytime. Awesome. So that was Cam Arnold, everybody. Thanks again, folks. I hope you enjoyed this interview. We'll be back next week with another episode. Thanks again, Cam. Thank you. Thank you. All right, folks, thank you for listening. Enjoy the rest of your day. Goodbye.